The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. By popular demand, ladies and gentlemen, betting stuff we have on today's podcast, in addition to a bunch of other fun things, but also we have betting, uh, and we haven't in a couple of Tuesdays, so that's kind of exciting for me. Um, But before we even dive into that, hello, Uncle Leo. I got to give you the Uncle Leo at the beginning of the show. Danny Baspers, Neil Rochlani, it's Tuesday on Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, Neil, are you as excited as I am to do a little betting stuff again for the first time I, in a month? Oh, I'm sorry. I was so excited. Yeah, I you. you got no. That's the best kind of excitement. I I am always excited. Dan, we also have um, I think what is it? One week until we can bet on preseason. How excited are you for that? I'm a little bit. So I, you know, I love betting a lot. Um, preseason betting is hard, man. Unless you really have like you got to read a lot of beat reports to find out who's going to be on the court and how long, because that stuff gets weird in a hurry. Betting first halves or first quarters might be your way to go on preseason wagering. As long as it's wagering, I'm in. <laughs> you so. sweet degenerate. Uh, yes, exactly. Neil is on Twitter, at BallWithNeil, B-A-L-L-W-I-T-H-N-E-I-L. I am at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Uh, we only have Neil for about 12 to 15 minutes on today's show, so I want to maximize it, and then we'll tell you more about all the logistical stuff going on. We also, later in the program, will have our first of the 11 industry pros, and it's Kyle McEwen today, a really good one to start out with. Uh, we also have a coupon hiding somewhere in today's show to get $3 off the uh, any product, actually, over at Hoop Balls. That's Draft Guide, uh, Game Time Premium. The early B-150, which is out as of yesterday, the early bird B-150, you can get that a la carte, or you can get some of these package deals, pro package, champions package, all that stuff. Uh, So stay tuned for the coupon. But Neil, uh, one of our listeners, we'll just call him Theo, I don't know how much he wants us to reveal about him, uh, sent us over some pretty sweet player props, as opposed to us actually doing the digging on this. And I, uh, I mean, what better way to orchestrate a show than to have someone else provide the content for you? Am I right? That is, yes. That's what I used to rely on for Adrian back in the day. <laughs> Adrian, what are we doing today? Uh, so thank you, Theo. This is awesome. We're going to cover a couple of these every week here while we're also doing, obviously, uh, draft dives and stuff like that. Um, Neil, do you want to start with MVP? That's sort of the why bury the lead, right? Oh, exactly. This is probably the most fun year to do it, too, right? Oh, it's a great one. And we've got uh, we've got like 36 candidates for MVP. We're not going to go through all of them because, you know, half are basically outside the conceivable realm of betting window. But there are a lot of really interesting names. And the long shots that are on the board, I'll just throw four names out there. There are four long shots uh, that are 500 to 1 to win MVP. Derek Rose, Gordon Hayward, Kyle Lowry, and LaMarcus Aldridge. What a strange quartet. I, I just had fun saying those four names together for some reason. Um, yeah, that's so fascinating. I wish you could bet the no on all of them, and I'd parlay them. Yeah. Which I guess you can't do. <laughs> but, you know, there is a name a couple above those that I might actually take as a long shot. Oh, all right. Well, you let's work. Go- you know where I'm going with this at all or not? Uh, I haven't a clue. Who are you looking at that's just a couple above them? Jason Tatum. Oh, interesting. He would. Oh, that would be a 
It's going to have to be a monster of a year, though, right? He's it's gonna have going to, average to like but 30. he has the potential, doesn't he? To average like 27 points a game, you think? And I'm not saying it's obviously it's a long shot, but I'm saying of all these guys, it's not going to be. I mean, Jason Tatum could be their number one. I think he could be the number one option in Boston. Yeah, he could. He could move out in front there, catch a bunch of people by surprise, considering his odds are six times better than Kemba Walker's, uh, who everybody just assumes. And we just mentioned Gordon Hayward, who was right behind him on this list. Jason Tatum, by the way, is 300 to 1. Neil, you could put five bucks on that, and you could pay your rent. <laughs> <laughs> I could. No, I'm not going to play any of these. But if all of these that I'm looking at that are 300 or one or more, I mean, I think he's the one. If I had to pick one, it would be him. Okay, here's the, here's a good game to play with the long shots. I, again, probably something that I should have worked out in my head before going on air. But screw it. We're here now. We're doing it. Uh, with the long shots, we'll, pick, we'll each pick one from every grouping. Uh, you already picked yours in the 300 group, but um, dialing it back to the 500 to 1, Derek Rose, Gordon Hayward, Kyle Lowry, LaMarcus Aldridge, you have to put $1 on one of those four guys. Which one is it? Wait, did, you forgot one, didn't you? Of the 500 to ones? Maybe I didn't scroll down far enough. Oh, the 1,000 to 1. Oh, my God. No, there's, there's, another, there's another 500 to 1. You didn't say Vucevic, did you? I did not, did no. Yeah, okay. the 1,000 to 1 I didn't even see. That's Lonzo I know. Ball. How great is that one? Lonzo <laughs> Ball. <laughs> yeah, I'm not putting a dollar on Lonzo. Even at 1,000 to 1, that's a bad bet. Uh, Vooch, I mean, if he wasn't going to get it last year, he's not going to get it this year. You got to go with somebody who's going to do something weird. Like, what if Derrick Rose averaged 26 points per game for the Pistons? The players would riot if he didn't win MVP. I would, I would put $1 on Derrick Rose. Well, I, I, I think that happening is less than... Well, anyway, than- I'm, I would not take Rose. <laughs> I would not take Hayward. I'll, I guess I might go Lowry if I had to pick one. Mm, yeah, that's no fun. I'm going to go Derrick Rose. <laughs> Well, I mean, these aren't winning, so who the hell cares? Um, you already got Jason Tatum for the next chunk, so I feel like I can't copy you there. Um, the other names in the 300-to-1 grouping are Zach Levine, Trey Young, De'Aaron Fox, and Chris Paul. Um, I guess I'd go De'Aaron Fox of that group. Um, I think you and I are both looking at this from the same angle, which is the team has to win for, to, for a team to be considered, or for a player on said team to be considered for the award. So Boston could conceivably have a good year. Sacramento could have a decent year. Um, and if De'Aaron, you know, if he averaged like 22 and 10 and went crazy, there might be some chatter there. But I mean, you know, let's be honest. None of these guys is none of these guys is getting a single vote other than the one member of the media who votes for Derrick Rose. So that's why I put my $1. <laughs> uh, what about the 200 and 250 chunk? That's Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, Blake Griffin, and DeMar DeRozan. Do you want me to go first on this one? I think you went... I didn't, yeah, go yeah. right ahead, right. please. Uh, let's see. Booker, Holiday, Griffin, DeRozan. Yeah, it's <sighs> it's got to be Blake Griffin because um, he could pop off, and the East is terrible, so the Pistons could actually run up some wins. I, I don't see it happening, but it, it, Phoenix isn't going to win many games. The Pels, the other guys on that team are going to draw too much attention, and then DeMar DeRozan is just... He's a thoroughly uninteresting basketball player these days. So I got to go Blake Griffin. Yeah, that's probably the safest pick. I would probably go Booker just because, uh, let's say somehow Phoenix makes the playoffs and Booker averages 45 a night. Yeah, good point. Okay, you got a good argument there. 
I'll, I'll yeah. throw I'll throw an extra shekel on Devin Booker. <laughs> okay. Um, the fifteen thousand group: Zion Williamson, Victor Oladipo, Pascal Siakam, Kristaps Porzingis, and Jimmy Butler. Um, this one for me is a Jimmy Butler no-brainer. If I was going to throw a dollar on any of them, what about you from that chunk? Yeah, I can't. Can I copy you? This is by yeah. obviously the by easiest one to pick is Butler. Yeah, I might even throw a dollar on him just overall because he could average twenty-five. Seven and seven with two steals a game on a Heat team that goes, you know, forty-five and thirty-seven or something like that. That would actually get him a few votes, I think. In oh, real yeah. life, he could easily he should easily be an All NBA player, right? So he should be in the conversation for one of the best players in the league. It's just a matter of how well does he do in leading Miami. So he could be in the conversation. I don't see why that. That's not even that far fetched. No, not at all. Um, yeah. And I think for the rest of these guys, we can actually put them all in the same discussion, which is do any of these guys make the threshold of someone you'd actually bet on, um, with the possible exception of Rudy Gobert at 125 to 1, but now you're into the real names. So which of these jump out to you? We can even, you know, if we talk about all of them, that'll be our segment for the day, and maybe that's the way to go. Giannis is the favorite at 3 to 1. Um I don't think he's winning it back-to-back years. Do you? I don't think he is either. It's unless he has just a remarkable year, and then the the Bucks like run away with the uh, season win total. <sighs> I don't see it happening again this year. I like either Braun, Harden, or Curry are the three that I'm looking at from the the favorites chunk. Interesting. I thought you were going to say Embiid. No, I don't think he's playing enough. Okay. You gotta get. Um, you gotta get to LeBron, seventy games. You gotta get to yeah, seventy. Yeah, LeBron games. is. If he plays, you know, seventy-five plus games, should be in the conversation. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, you said who's the other one? LeBron, Curry, and Harden. I think Harden just because oh, he's been whining so much, and so that's gonna get him addition. I mean, he played at an MVP level last year. Giannis was just more important. Like he, I get it, but let it go, James. Come on. Uh, move on to the next thing. And then with, with Steph, like he's going to have to go supernova this year. Mm-hmm. And if he does, I mean, I was looking at his numbers from four years ago in the pre-Durant era, and I think we've, I know I had almost forgotten how unreal he was that last year before KD showed up. You remember his numbers from that season? I didn't. I don't, but he was one of those guys that, would just change the game being on the court. Yep. Right. Like it was just totally. like watching him was like watching. I don't know. I wouldn't say like watching Jordan, but it was something like that. And that he just like, he just had this certain gravitas that you couldn't stop him. He shot the same percentage from the floor as Al Horford that year. Uh, while putting up five, three pointers a night, 30 points, five and a half rebounds, almost seven assists over two steals a game and 91% at the free throw line. It was, I mean, it was a 50-40-90 year, obviously. Um, he was just insane. He led the league in scoring. Even Harden was a point behind him that year. He was so good to do that, score 30 points a game with five threes on 50-plus percent shoot. I mean, if he channels that, he's got the inside track, I think. I think he should be the favorite over Giannis. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but I would probably go a little more interesting. I'd probably go with, I'm going to go with Davis. AD at nine to one. Yes, interesting. Because I just think LeBron's okay deferring to him, and if the Lakers finish first or second in the West, and Davis puts up those ungodly numbers, 
and he, he's clearly one of the best talents in the league. So, are there we'll any of these top guys that you can eliminate from contention for yourself? Um, I would eliminate Jokic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think yeah, I'm actually with you on that one. Oddly enough, uh, Paul George because he's not going to play that many games. Um, Westbrook, it just doesn't seem like that he has a chance. Um, you know what? I actually would go my my two if I had to make bets based on these odds. Not that I think they're the top two favorites, but the best values would be Davis and Embiid. Um, that's all I would eliminate, though, is Jokic, George, and then Westbrook. And yeah. then probably Lillard. I just can't see yeah, he's Portland not being it. that great again. No, and then almost anybody beyond that. Uh, we already mentioned Jimmy Butler at uh, 150 to 1 as an interesting idea. Cat um, at 50 to 1, maybe? Oh, yeah, you could eliminate him, too. Um, yeah, I mean, you can eliminate them. I'm looking at all the guys that we can probably eliminate and trying to make an argument in my mind for which one you could bring back into the oh, fray. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, cause like, what if they overperform? That's my, that's always the thing you can look at with some of these teams. Like what if the wolves are good and cats averaging like 28 and 12, then he'll get some votes. Those guys just aren't going to win it though. They're just not. I mean, the only one of those guys that has a chance is Butler because he's such an alpha. He's going to get recognition, even if he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know that Steph at 5-1 to one is not super interesting in terms of the how much money you'd have to lay out for six and a half months. Um, but I think, I think Steph is my guy in that top group. I think that's here's one. Here's one argument I think you might be able to make. Didn't you say Utah might win the regular season West? Yeah, I think they've got a shot. And there's Donovan Mitchell at 67-1. to one. Yeah, I guess that's a... You know what? There's an argument to be made there as well. All right, I got $10 to play with. This is our last exercise before we wrap it up for today. Uh, Last exercise is we got $10 to play with. Where does it get allocated? For me, I'm putting uh, $1 on Derrick Rose. (laughs) I got to see that one through. Oh, geez. I'm putting putting, uh, $2 on Jimmy Butler. I got seven bucks to play with here. Uh, I'm putting five on Steph. Nah, four on Steph, two on Harden, and one on LeBron James. That's my $10 breakdown. Wait, say that again. I want to write this uh, down. I had one on Derrick Rose, two on Jimmy Butler. Okay. One on LeBron James, two on Harden, and four on Steph. Did that get me to 10? Or was that nine? One, two, four, and that was ten. Two. That was ten. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Where, where's um, your ten? All right. My my one. I, I'm gonna go with one dollar on Tatum since you did one on Rose. <laughs> I wasn't gonna do that, but then you've inspired me. Um, I, it's great. Inspiration. I, I'll do one on Tatum. I'll do. Yikes. I guess I'll do one on Mitchell. Don, one on Why Donovan. Not? All right. You got eight one bucks on left. Mitchell. Um. I'll do. Three on uh, Anthony Davis. All right. You got five to work with. I got five more. I'll yeah. do two on LeBron. Okay. And one on Embiid. You still got two left. I do? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go three on LeBron and two on Embiid. All right. I like it. Yeah. All right. The wonderful Neil Roach Lonnie. We have a bunch of these to cover, and we'll probably go a little quicker on the next few. But MVP is the big one, man. Uh, at ball with Neil. 
Neil, you're freed for the week. This is a short one. This has been so much fun. I'm so glad uh, we have a we have a gambling sponsor, and um, yep. we can start gambling for real pretty soon. You know that I'm going to do that read as soon as you get off the pod now. I kind of have to. You've opened up always, the segue. I was trying to bring you right in, yes. <laughs> You've opened up the segue. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Dan. And as promised just moments ago, this podcast is, of course, brought to you by our buddies at MyBookie.ag and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. I'm going to tell you about both of them right now. Back to back, MyBookie.ag. If you happen to type in MyBookie.com, it'll take you to the right place anyway. It's so important to pick the right place to do your betting online. And as you can hear, Neil is extremely excited about it. He's ready to get his MyBookie account fired up. NBA, six days away. Is that right? Preseason, six days away. We got the uh, uh, couple of games internationally, I believe. And then the real thing, four weeks from today. It's four weeks away, guys. The real NBA season. That's where I start to dive in a little bit more. Uh, I didn't want to break Neil's heart. I don't really bet the preseason. Uh, if you do, make sure it's really small. Just fun money. This, that's not where we actually build our betting bankroll. We're going to do that during the regular season at mybookie.ag. Join now and mybookie will double your first deposit with promo code T-O-D-A-Y. Type in the word TODAY in the promo code box when you open up your account and your initial deposit will be matched by the good folks at mybookie.ag. Now, obviously, you've got to bet that money. You can't just match it and then take it out. But once you go through it, you bet that money. Uh, opportunity to just uh, have a, a much larger initial bankroll. I mean, it, you know, it's a no-brainer. You can try parlays. You can bet in-game action at MyBookie. You can bet on fantasy lines at MyBookie. Do the smart thing if you're going to bet football or basketball this season. Do it at mybookie.ag. M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. Play, win, get paid. And of course, a massive, massive thank you, as always, to our buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. They're the best, man. They're the best. HawaiianIsles.com. HawaiianIsles.com. Check them out immediately. They have these fantastic nine-flavor gift bags at their website, they're awesome when we get closer to uh, the holiday season, which isn't that far away anymore. Great for birthday presents, holiday gifts, just for drinking coffee in the morning. You can get it on Amazon. That's where I would go if you wanted to just get the bag for yourself. But if you're going big, do it at their website. H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter. If you have any questions about the coffee products, they've got K-Cups as well if you're into the Keurig deal. Uh, or if you just want to talk fantasy with them. I know Glenn's always ready to, to chat. Hot pickups. Hot as a pot of coffee. HawaiianIsles.com, title sponsor of all of our AV here at hoop-ball.com. I promised a coupon, and I hope you didn't fast forward through the advertisements because this is where it's coming out. So I'm giving you this little lead-in just in case, and the coupon is for $3 off anything at HoopBall. Any item available at the HoopBall store, which right now, five items are available at the HoopBall store. Would you like to know what they are? Good. Good. I'm glad you asked. I will tell you about them and how you can get three bucks off of each of them. One, the draft guide. The draft guide. You can get three bucks off right now, which I think, I think we may have accidentally left the sale going a day too long. I'm not sure about that. It doesn't matter. The coupon's going to work right now, so use it immediately. 
Game Time Premium, the full season premium package. But if you're going to get that, you might as well just add the Pro Package instead, which is only $7 more than the full season premium, and the Pro Package has the full season and the draft guide. We also have the Brewski 150 live now. It's actually out, people, for the Early Bird Special subscribers. Yes, that's a special package. If you got the draft guide, the B-150 will be in it on October the 7th. You can also get the Champions Pack, which is the draft the draft guide, the full season premium, and early access to the B-150. Uh, and that's basically for like $20 off what it would be to get them all separate. So bundle your goodies. And then use the coupon and get another 3 bucks off. And the coupon code for today's show, they're all going to be tied into the pros that come on, is Kyle, K-Y-L-E, in honor of the man we'll be speaking to here in about 45 seconds, Kyle McEwen of Basketball Monster. The coupon code for today's show is Kyle. Use it to get something at HoopBall. We will know if people are using it, so use it, and we'll keep giving out coupon codes. That's how this works. One coupon per purchase, $3 off any one item at hoop-ball.com. Now, let's break back into the industry mock draft. We're done with gambling. We're done with sales. It's time to talk fantasy. Let's do it. The industry mock breakdown continues. We go team by team. It's almost like uh, defending your dissertation here, right? This is like the PhD style. Uh, Kyle McEwen next. Next up to stand in front of... I don't, I, I don't have a PhD, so I don't really know how this works. Uh, at Roto Kyle NBA. It's been too damn long, man. How you been? Uh, great, Dan. Thanks for having me on again, man. Well, thank you for uh, hopping in the uh, the industry mock that went completely haywire at the end. I Have you ever seen a mock do what that one did, where it just started bouncing around and picking out of order and skipping people? That was weird. Uh, I mean, we were doing it on fan tracks, and I've done enough drafts on fan tracks to feel like that's not typical, so I don't want to yeah. like, throw any shade at them. No, um, no, no. Necessarily. I just think that... Because we had, it was a slower draft, but, you know, we had guys from all around the world doing it. You had situations where guys would fall asleep during the draft, blah, blah, blah. Essentially what happened is, is DeMarcus Cousins, I think, got put on too many teams and the coding just didn't know how to deal with the fact that we were constantly <laughs> removing him and putting somebody else on there. And by the end of the draft, the the draft room was just kind of crapping out DeMarcus Cousins. So yeah, that's, well, that's, I, that's what I think happened. I thought I would lean into that. So I don't know if you saw what I did at the end was I ended up putting Boogie on all mm-hmm. 12 teams. I, I figure that's a nice level playing field for all of us, right? It is. Um, it's just a little bit depressing because it's like a stark reminder that he's just not going to play this season and possibly never again. Yeah, and he's got other things going on. Anyway, we I guess we can leap straight over that. Again, at NBA. give him a follow on Twitter immediately. Uh, my good buddy over at Basketball Monster. We're just going to go through your team um, one by one, I guess. Start at the top and, and you can tell me what was going through your head at each pick, why you got him what you're thinking they're capable of, and uh, we'll keep it fairly straightforward. So round one, pick two, Carl Anthony Towns. This one feels like a pretty easy one to explain, but uh, go ahead, explain yourself on Cat. I, th- I think, you know, you've talked about it on your show plenty of times. There's five guys in that top five that you can you can take with, um, you know, you can make an argument to take number one overall, but essentially the same guys are pretty much going in that top five in every draft. And I had picked number two, Anthony Davis went number one, and I'm looking at Carl Anthony Towns for a nine-cat league. You know you're going to get great percentages out of Carl Anthony Towns, so that's starting starting your draft off right. 
Uh, you can make the argument that to go with James Harden and just eat his his turnovers. Carl Anthony Towns is probably going to have big turnovers this season too because he's expected to do more ball handling and distribution duties, kind of take the ball off the rim as far as a rebound and then just run up the court, um, playing more of a Jokic type of role is what we're at least hearing rumors of. So that'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. But, I mean, it's Carl Anthony Towns with the second pick um, in a 9-cat league. Uh, if you're, you know, with 9-cat league, you can't punt anything. You need those great percentages, and he offers you great percentages at a high volume, so it's going to buoy your team um, in the, in those respects, and that's wonderful to have in rotisserie. Yeah, it's pretty good to have a guy who's going to be putting up uh, top five value and plays 78 or more games every single season. I mean, he finally took a break last year, I assume, just so that he can go back to playing all 82 this season. Um, that's an easy one. The other well, stuff... Well, like, two, two of the games that sure. Carl Anthony Towns sat out last year were the final two games of the season. Right. So, okay, so now what? He sat out three games, and then you go back and you look at those, and you're like... All right, what were the situations with those? Was he actually hurt, or they were just looking at it from the fact that, as you've kind of detailed through your discussions about him, they probably were just kind of being like, we suck, let's not overdo it, let's kind of give Carl a little bit of rest since we're not playing for anything. Yeah, I also think that this the Iron Man stuff sort of takes on a life of its own sometimes, where the longer it gets, the harder it becomes to just break it. So probably a good move for his health and for the team to just say, let's let's end this whole Iron Man thing. Just take a few days off. Get yourself ready. We're not going anywhere. Hell, they shut down Rob Covington for two and a half months last year. They can probably pull the plug on Cat for two days. See, I don't know. I I, uh, I heard you mention that in one of the podcasts the last couple of days, and I kind of was like, I don't know, Dan. I was, or I was probably walking down the street saying to myself, walking with my dog saying, you're wrong, Dan, you're wrong. And, you know, everybody just thinks I'm the crazy guy walking down the street talking to myself, but it's always talking to you guys, you other podcast hosts. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I disagree with that. I think Robert Comertine was, was legit hurt last year. Um, I don't think that they necessarily, like, shut him down just to shut him down um, because we – there was still ambiguity with his health from my perspective on everything I was seeing up until today when he finally tweeted out or put out on Instagram, oh, I'm back, and we saw reports from practice today. Um, so I, I, that's my perspective. I got to admit, I don't obsess over Robert Covington a lot because he's just, you know, for some reason, he's not somebody I, I genuinely, generally target in, uh, in my drafts. You know how much I love Rob Covington. He's he tugs at my heartstrings in a in a special defensive category way. But uh, he, he ended up actually on Adam King's team, so we'll hear about that here in the next couple of days. Uh, Luca, second pick for you. We can we can keep shuttling along. Twenty uh, third overall, coming back in the second round. Um, what's the take on Luca? How how do the percentages improve? Because you know he's a guy where I'm a little bit afraid of. He was nineteen last year. Everybody acts like he ain't going to get older and he's not going to get better. Sorry, I hate that narrative. There's there's a narrative around Luca that he's not going to get better. He he played over. Sorry, Dan, I don't mean to sh- poop in your ears like that. <laughs> um, but I'm just like that's my that's uh, I think the narrative around Luca that he's like not going to get better. That's more weird to me than expecting him to improve his percentages. Plus, we saw him play overseas professionally and he shot like 78 or 80 percent from the free throw line. So if he gets back up even close to that, you know, he he had a horrible time at the free throw line last season. Plus overseas when he was playing before, he's playing 82 games, which is more than he's ever played or, you know, playing an 82 game season last year in the NBA as a rookie. He was playing more minutes, even more minutes 
per game in the context of in FIBA, you play 40 minute games in the NBA, you play a 48 minute game. There's, you know, a lot of times over in FIBA, you see got teams, they play a deeper rotation or they just play guys less minutes. Not the, you know, not the 35 to 36 that you'll see the, the, the biggest players play here uh, for the NBA not here, but in the NBA. And then you also look at the fact that being a second year player, he's what we've heard about Luca this offseason is that he has gotten in better shape. He's not maybe got some of that baby fat on him <laughs> that a lot of people were teasing him about last year. Um Carlisle has said he wants to play him more. He wants him in better shape. Lucas came out and said, hey, look, I got in better shape. Maybe I can be better at defense, which that tells me possibly more steals. That would be it nice. also tells me that if he's just in better shape, then maybe he can hold up more going, being tired, going to the free throw line and hitting his free throw shots a little bit better, things like that. So I, I, th- I think that we've seen Lucas shoot better percentages overseas in professional ball before. I think we can blame his down percentages last year predominantly on getting to acclimated to the NBA, getting acclimated to a new team and new teammates. Um, and, and, and yeah, there's definitely room for him to grow in those areas. But even if Luca doesn't grow in those areas as much as say, I would expect him to, or I think is possible then the fact that I did get Carl Towns in the first round, that kind of, uh, insulates me from the issues True. that Luca presents right. in, in some regards. Yeah, I mean, the dude did have 21, 8, and 6, so it's hard to knock the overall numbers. You know my stance is, am I willing to take the risk that, that the percentages improve? And for you, it seems like you're going on, you've got the overseas numbers, you've got the, the youth factor. Uh, it's a very reasonable argument to make. Can he get into that top 25 uh, discussion? Oh, and I mean, his turnovers are terrible for... For for nine cat as well. So f- from that perspective, there's another um, kind of uh, thing to to, to uh, nick in his uh, in his wood or chip in his wood. But um, overall, y- you see the path that Luke is on, and it's a historically great one. And I'm I'm willing to invest at the end of the second round here. Beginning of the third, you got John Collins. Uh, I really like this play, and you and I have actually tweeted about it. Um, you're cool with it, even if the defensive stats don't come back, but they sort of mysteriously disappeared last season. If they do, he could be damn good this year. Well, Collins is interesting because he's he's already a, a pretty darn efficient player. He could he could improve in his free throw percentage, or that's a place you'd definitely like him to improve. Um, but... Collins has talked about wanting to be someone who can play the small forward position. So that might mean more facilitation, more dribbling, more and, uh, you know, or even just DHOs up, uh, you know, dribble handoffs, which can lead to some extra assist. Uh, We saw John Collins develop a legit three point shot last year. You know, there's a lot of things that I think people people keep trying to kind of paint him into a box and he keeps coming out and doing things that I think people don't expect. Uh, John Collins was a great post player in college. That's like all he did. And then he came into the NBA and in his first year in the NBA, it was like, I'm just going to dunk the ball and that's all I'm going to do. And then last (laughs) year he adds a legit three point shot to his game. And now the Hawks are talking like, we're only going to play him at power forward. We're not going to play him at center. Um, They may not be able to do that just because of the lack of depth of center on the Hawks. But for the most part, you're expecting Collins to play power forward. He's developing and showing off more of those passing skills and perimeter skills. So maybe he can someday become a, a big small forward like we're seeing 
you know, with like the the Giannis type guys and all that kind of stuff. And he's got such a nice floor from a fantasy perspective. The kid had 20 and 10 with, like you said, good percentages last year. He's a guy to me that makes a lot of sense in this neighborhood because (laughs) he can't hurt you very much and there's room for him to go up again. Well, exactly. And also, um, maybe the, the, the biggest reason why I think people should feel secure about taking John Collins and Trey Young at the back end of that, not necessarily at the back end of the second round for both of them, but sometime in that back end of the second round or during the second round or third for Trey and then maybe the third round for John is that uh, the GM, now president of the Hawks, Travis Schlenk, came out this summer and said that whereas both of those guys, John Collins and Trey Young, played just about 30 minutes last year. They're hoping that they can play them both 35 minutes this year. Mm. So now you're, I mean, you're looking at another four to five minutes potentially for these guys to play. And even if it's not that, you're still expecting some jump in their minutes, which those extra, every single extra minute a player gets, it's, it's tremendous help for their fantasy value. Your fourth pick at uh, number 47 was Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's a guy that you know I like, but this is pretty early for him. So uh, why'd you grab him so soon is my question. Um, when I, I know why you ditch... grabbed him. Why you grabbed him is the easy answer to that, because he's going to be good. But why so soon? Yeah. Well, um, I, I believe, uh, yeah, Jonas Nader's in this draft, and he, <laughs> he takes Shea early all the time. I've seen him do it in other dra- uh, mock drafts. So I was like, I'm not letting... Uh, Jonas get to get to Shea. Plus, with the way my uh, with the way my picks were going, I uh, after after Jonas let Shea get past him in the fourth, I wasn't gonna let let him get back to to Jonas in mm. the fifth. Um, so th- the thing about Shea is with his move to the Thunder last year on the Clippers, he was a rookie. He was good in his minutes on the Thunder this year. He's gonna play more minutes. He's going to start off being their starting shooting guard, but if Chris Paul gets moved, that's another avenue to even more production for Shea. Um, I guess to boil it down, one of the reasons why I'm so high on Shea right now is um, you look at the Thunder, he could play. If he if, if Billy Donovan, tr- traditionally the last few years with the Thunder, Billy Donovan's been playing his biggest players like 36 minutes a game, whether that's Russell Westbrook, Paul George. Uh, he even plays Steven Adams like 34 minutes a game. So I don't really see a way that Shea Gilgis-Alexander doesn't play at least 34 minutes a game. He might play 36 minutes a game. If he does that, even with Chris Paul there, he's yeah. got the potential to be a second-round player. When I first did my first sweep on the projections, my my first look at Shea Gilgis, I go through, I do, do my process. I'm looking at the numbers, looking at the ranks. I'm like, what? He came out 21st in 8-cat. Mm. In 8-cat. Wow. Not, you know, so, I, I, and then I had to go back and be like, that's just absurd. Let me take another run through the numbers on Shea. And now he's coming out at like 39th for my eight cat rankings. Um, but I just, there's, I, he doesn't really have anything wrong with his game. He's got good percentages. And really, I just see like the, the sky's the limit for him because who's going to score on this Thunder team as well. So now you're talking about big minutes, a need for somebody to score the possibility that, oh, not even the possibility, the, the, the absolute certainty that if not this season, at some point in the future, he's going to be their starting point guard and very possibly this season if they're able to trade away Chris Paul at some point. There, there's just, I don't see, there's like nothing to not like about Jay. So it just seems like a secure pick in the fourth, fifth round, especially of a nine cat. If you didn't have Jonas Nader in the draft would you with you, would you have tried to see if you could let him fall another round or two? I don't think... 
I still don't think he would have got Shea would have gotten to me at the end of the sixth round. So I would have maybe let Shea get around that the, the turn of the uh, the four or five. But gotcha. I also didn't I didn't like when I was looking at it all. I kept saying to myself too. I was like, I don't know what the hell the Welsh is going to do. So um, I'm just going to take Shea because I don't want to miss out on him. And I had a couple of guys I was targeting you know, in kind around that turn. So I just figured like he was the guy to grab and then I'll take whoever fell to me. Yeah. Cause you're the, I mean, half of the draft strategy for all of us is trying to figure out what guys are going to get back to you. Uh, and on the way back in the fifth, you ended up with Thomas Bryant, who, um, as you know, a guy we obviously loved a ton last year. And it seems like the runway is clear. Are you at all concerned? And this is just me being a, a, a pain in the neck on this guy because, you know, I love Thomas Bryant's game. Are you at all concerned about Scott Brooks doing something stupid? Um, I'm, If anything, I think Scott Brooks has been a, a player's coach in many regards for fantasy purposes in, in, the, in the aspect that Scott Brooks plays his guys big minutes, at least the ones that he leans on. And when you hear Scott Brooks talk about resting players, he usually talks about it from the perspective that like, no, we don't, we don't have to cut guys minutes. We can just give them less practice time. And it's like, yeah, you're my kind of coach, pal. (laughs) So um, as much as I hated Scott Brooks, when he was still starting Kendrick Perkins at center over Serge Ibaka. And I think that that severely limited the potential of the thunder in the past um, and stopped them from even having a chance at beating LeBron in the finals. uh, I do think that, we should be encouraged for Thomas Bryant's uh, outlooks this season simply because there's no depth at center on that yeah. on that Wizards team. There's they and they signed him to an extension or you know a new contract, three years. So there's just there's not much to hate about Thomas Bryant. Is there some concern about taking him um, in the fifth round from the perspective that? maybe last year was just a flash in the pan for him. Maybe with uh, more attention from defenses, he gets exposed. That's all possible. But based on what we know and what Thomas Bryant has provided up to this point, he was a solid, good percentages kind of guy to grab to help try and buoy the fact that I had taken Luca earlier and that Luca might punch me in the face with his percentages. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, you know I agree with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit on that one. He... uh his percentages are excellent, and this is a team that I don't think opponents are going to take particularly uh, seriously, which also allows uh, bad clubs like that to just sort of get out and run and, and get those easy looks as well. Your sixth round well, pick. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Tom, well, and then just the final thing about Thomas, he's this. He's got the second most secure role on this team behind Bradley Beal. So, I mean, there's just it's hard. It's hard to find things where you're like. Yeah, but no, there's not a lot of yeah buts with Thomas Ryan. Yeah, they kind of like, have to. The, the, the opportunity's there. Yeah, they kind of have to. And I actually really like your sixth round pick also. You've probably heard me mentioning that uh, this is a guy that's that's fallen and fallen and fallen, and he's coming off that <sighs> horrific injury and a whole season of, well, kind of looking a little pudgy because uh, he didn't get to run for like a year and a half. And that's Gordon Hayward at 71. I mean, this is a guy, Kyle, we've seen – have top 40 seasons in his career. And I don't know that that's necessarily the outlook here, but there's a lot of upside for him and not a ton of downside taking him once you start to get a little later in the draft. Well, I mean, you're definitely concerned that Hayward might um, uh, have another crappy season or just not uh, have a bounce back this year as, as many are projecting for him. Uh, Yahoo did update their ranks today. He was at like 82. Now he's at like 62. That's pretty frustrating. That is because he was, he was a value before. Yeah. 62. Not so much. 
Nope. Um, but no, Gordon, he, you know, even, even the fact that Gordon Hayward was like struggling to put up bulk stats or bulk production last year uh, with Kyrie Irving around and the fact that Hayward was coming off the bench most of the season behind well, Marcus Morris, for crying out loud. Um, just why, man? <laughs> they were not invested in Marcus Morris. That didn't make any sense. Um, but they did it all year for the most part. Anyways, Gordon was having some really nice stretches with his percentages last year as well. He's he's an efficient player when he's putting it all together. So that's another reason why you're sitting there looking at him to be able to slide into your small forward slot to get to get the guy who's going to be my number one small forward this late in the draft and then to have it be someone who could very easily end up being a top 50 player. I Yeah, I love the value late with uh, with Gordon Hayward. I like that your sixth and seventh round picks are like a Wheel of Fortune answer. Uh, Aaron Gordon Hayward. Aaron Gordon uh, <laughs> at, at 74. Um, I think people are finally... I mean, I, I assume you agree since you took him here. It seems like people have finally sort of decided Aaron Gordon is a top 75 guy and get a lot of points and some good stuff back there. Yes, there is a percentages concern, but uh, I don't know. It felt to me like last year was about as as bad as it could have gotten for him just overall. Uh, what are your thoughts on Aaron Gordon here at 74? I think he's he's under underrated in some respects. Like, there's still upside with this guy. He's still just 24 he could be stepping into his sweet spot of his career and i know he have been waiting for that for three or four years but this is like his sixth year in the league um it's it just might be time for him there's definitely the possibility of of greater development for him um yeah, the, the free throw percentage is the thing that I'm most uh, worried about, but it's not like he takes a ton of free throws necessarily either. Um, no, you know, it's, been... it's not great, but it's not horrendous either. Right. So I, I just feel like at this point in the draft, you're you it's it's like it's a reasonable it's it's a safe pick for the most part, considering what else he what else he gives you. Even though there are some holes in Aaron Gordon's game, and I thought that if if the other guys I drafted perform as i hope they should at, at free throw percentage then gore then uh, aaron gordon would be able i'd be able to make up for those deficiencies so i plus there there is there's still there's still a little bit of boom potential and everybody's steals were down on the hornets last year with steve clifford taking over they played a more um kind of conservative defense in that regard but i think steve clifford might have realized upon review like i've got aaron gordon and jonathan isaac out there and i'm not using them to do things that they can do better than a lot of other people in the league maybe i should do that so i think there's a potential for a bounce back in some of those defensive stats uh for most people on the the magic this season your next draft pick is a fun one uh tomas sataransky at 95 your eighth round pick um he's been going pretty late in drafts but i i think that you know, I feel like you and I agree in in what he's capable of doing. Is he falling as far as he usually is just because people have no idea who he is? Probably. Um, Thomas Santorinsky started for the Wizards last year at point guard for most good. of the season. He was really good. Uh, yeah, he was. And he's efficient. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um He's a perfect low usage player to to have next to a guy like Zach Levine on the Bulls, uh, and he's going to play defense. He's got good length, good size to be able to play defense against multiple positions. 
I think I think people just don't know who he is because like I'll talk to people and they'll tell me that Kobe White's gonna start over him and stuff like this and I'm like <laughs> you're, you're like, on no. crack you are on <laughs> like it might happen just because coaches coaches have a different perspective than we all do you know and sometimes we get caught up in the narratives that that we have within our our basketball communities um, but I would be really surprised if. <laughs> If the Bulls didn't start Thomas Sadaransky uh, at point guard after they signed him to, I believe it was a three-year deal. Yeah, I mean, they they brought him in. They pretty, you know, they they signed like three other point guards as well, or drafted, and they've got so many point guards that that. that Look, Chris Dunn, even though Jim Boylan came out and said, according to the Casey Johnson report this summer, that Chris Dunn would is going to be the starting point guard going into camp, or or that's whatever, there was a lot of nuance to the words or the way that Jim Boylan phrased it. I don't remember exactly how it was, but essentially, you, you could have looked at that statement and been like, yeah, whatever, pal. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was essentially just trying to keep Chris Dunn's trade value up during the summer so that the Bulls could try to offload them, but that's not happening. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, again, they, you know, you, you don't bring a guy for a long-term deal and give him a bunch of money when you don't have a plan to utilize him in some capacity. I'm, I'm really curious, actually, on uh, on the next guy, because this is one where I'm kind of afraid, and so I, I would love to have somebody talk me into or out of these guys. Uh, and the next one on your list is DeJounte Murray at 98, one of the uh, two point guards in San Antonio, both of them very good and I, as I've said on the show a few times, I'm sure Pop's going to figure out a way to get both Murray and White on the floor together. I just don't know how all the pieces are going to fit. Um, you seem optimistic, and that's cool. Uh, tell me why. Uh, talent wins out. DeJounte, you know, as, as good as Bryn Forbes played last year as the starting shooting guard for, like, the entire season um, for the Spurs, with DeJounte Murray being healthy, he's... He should start at point guard. Derek White, with his develop, the development he showed last year, he should start at shooting guard. And I think the main reason why that should happen is because you're, you're going to have to put DeMar DeRozan at small forward for pretty much all of his minutes this year. That's just the way things are going to go because of the, the depth that the Spurs have at the point guard and shooting guard positions. And then if you're looking at who to put next to DeMar DeRozan, you want a couple of defensive guys. DeJounte Murray was, was he first team? All defense or a second, and oh, then Derek White at least got votes for like third team defense. Both these guys are, are just so good in in regards to their defense. And then you look at what Dejounte Murray did with his percentages in his oh sugar plums. Maybe I was remembering him a little bit better than I. Oh my <laughs> god, I am so. This is hilarious. So, anyways, Dejounte Murray's percentages probably aren't as bad as what people think. But uh, if I'm going to admit something, I was uh, when I was deciding on him in this draft, I did what I just did to try to talk to you about it and explain my reasoning. And I opened up his Fantrax player profile, and I clicked on his stats tab, and I looked at 2017-2018. But unbeknownst to me, because I was looking at my phone at the time, I was looking at his postseason statistical percentages and not his, uh, his, his regular season percentages. Hmm. Yeah, but I but feel like still, still yeah, I, I think his field goal percent is one that's going to be decent. I, I don't know about free throw, but he didn't take any. He doesn't take any three-pointers, so his field goal percent should be better because it's largely happening around the rim. And what did he have to do this whole last year while standing around with his ACL injury? Hopefully he was working on his free throws for a while, so... <laughs> 
it maybe that that improves from the seventy one percent he shot. But like you said, he's not taking a lot of them, so he's not going to necessarily kill you there. Yeah, he's averaging one and a half per game in his uh, two NBA seasons so far. So even if that came up a little bit, that that wouldn't be much. Um, I'm tempted to lump the last few picks together because this is sort of well beyond no man's land where you're just kind of taking shots. Um, but feel free to break them out if you'd like. Dario Saric at one nineteen. Andrew Wiggins at 122, and Seth Curry at 143. What was the plan here with the last few picks? Uh, looking for some upside, looking for... I take it you don't believe that uh, DeAndre Ayton's going to be playing the four in Phoenix very much. <laughs> I know I, I don't think DeAndre Ayton will play at power forward much. Uh, we yeah, just no, heard that news uh, on Thursday. But anyways, uh, Dario Saric, they brought him in to play power forward. They made a deliberate trade to get him. Um uh, he played Dario Sharp had a pretty decent season with the Sixers two years ago. He wasn't necessarily awesome in the first couple months there. And then he got traded to the Timberwolves last season and the Timberwolves just didn't utilize Dario Sar- They, I guess they don't val- They didn't value him. So they didn't play him a ton. They brought him off the bench behind Taj Gibson for yeah. a long time. Um, and just stupid stuff that didn't make a lot of sense. Um, so, yeah, I, I just look at the situation with the Sixers and I see the what Dario did as like a top 80 player two years ago. Um, Monty Williams, who's the new head coach of the Suns, was uh, an assistant coach with the Sixers while Dario was there. Interesting. So there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff to like about him going to the the Suns to a team that has an opening uh, at the starting small power forward position. And they pretty much said that's his job. So... I don't know why people aren't going after Dario. I think it's completely bonkers, and I'm loving it because he's ending up on all of my teams. I like it. What about Wiggins? Why not at this point in the draft? You know, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's shown the, the ability to be a top 80 player in the past, um, at least an 8-cat. That's where I reference. I know you reference 9-cat a ton, but I, I usually look at 8-cat for most of my references. Even I know I get it. We're, we're talking about a 9-cat draft, so you do have to take that into consideration, especially in rotisserie. But I think at this point in the draft, I was just looking around, and I said, if, if the new coach, and more importantly, the new... Uh, direction that the front office, Gerson Rosas coming in from Houston, you know, they're planning on doing a bunch of hip, cool stuff with Carl Anthony Towns. We saw a uh, a picture of their court at practice today for Timberwolves guys that had gotten together for some early run. And one of the things they did was post the shot uh, values all around the court so that guys knew that, like, if you take a three-point shot right here, it's worth 1.3 points. If you take that two-point shot where you're stepping in in front of the line, that's 0.9. And it's so beautiful to see that kind of stuff shared on social media because you feel like the the reason the Timberwolves are doing that is almost pointedly towards Andrew Wiggins to try and drill into his head like, hey, Jack, <laughs> take these higher value shots. Stop with this mid-range pull-up bull crap. You know, either go to the rack like you were in your early years and get to the line some more or take that three-point shot and stop jerking around. So he's still 24. You know, there's it, it's one of those things where it's like, I think I think the negative narratives around Andrew Wiggins got a little carried away with. It boggles my mind that he's still that young. Um, thoughts on Seth Curry, and then uh, thoughts just on the team as a whole. 
Um, Seth Curry, I think people are discounting Seth Curry way too much right now. Uh, he's a guy who played limited minutes off the bench for the Trailblazers last year, but he was good. And the last time he was on the Dallas Mavericks, the he was there for two years. The first year, he ended up he didn't start at the beginning of the season, but for like the second half of the season, he was starting like the whole way and playing big minutes. And then going into his second season, Seth Curry was going to be the starting shooting guard for the Dallas Mavericks under Rick Carlisle, the same coach that's mm-hmm. there. But he had that stress fracture in his leg, so he ended up missing the entire season. And then he went and he signed with another team. So now you've got Seth Curry back with the Mavs in a situation where they've got a 6'4 point guard with long arms in DeLon Wright, who they expect to guard multiple positions. They've got, uh, and then they got Luka Doncic, who's what, 6'7, 6'8? It just, to me, if I'm looking at that team, Seth Curry makes the most sense of any other perimeter player to start next between DeLon Wright and Luka Doncic. So, uh, you know, people want to talk about Justin Jackson. They want to talk about um, maybe maybe having DeLon Wright start at shooting guard and then uh, uh, Jalen Brunson starts at point guard. Uh, maybe Tim Hardaway starts. Look, if you're looking for consistent three-point shooting to put out there to help spread the floor around all of you know Luca, so he can actually attack the rack to help spread the floor. So maybe Chris Stapps can do some uh, post ups when when he wants to to help spread the floor. So Dwight Powell can roll to the to the rim easy. <laughs> Their best shooter, Seth Curry, yeah, he's gonna be out th- even if he comes off the bench. He should still play close to thirty minutes. So Seth Curry is one of those guys that I'm really surprised. There's not more of a narrative around, and it's like. It's it's the only reason there's not is because we don't have any words from Carlisle and it's like I don't know man maybe maybe I'm crazy maybe I'm wrong but I just I I think the other players that we're talking about are like trash in many regards that's so mean they're not as good as <laughs> they're not as good as it's him. fine we're talking about fantasy numbers I don't think anybody's gonna hold you to that uh but point of reference here what Kyle's talking about Seth Curry is a career forty four percent three point shooter that is. That is a colossal number. Do people realize how? I mean, that's actually a, that's an unbelievable number to shoot from downtown. Uh, so they got to play him, don't they? It's worth a yeah. shot. It's worth a shot. Yeah. It's the last pick. Exactly. Exactly. So well, and, other and, than you know. and, and the fact that he is a a good percentage shooter from three point range that you're gonna slot into a rotisserie league like. You don't want guys who are going to be dragging down your percentages. So to to find somebody like that at the end of the draft, I feel pretty good about. So, how about the draft overall? I'm not actually that great at just eyeballing a team and seeing what may be strong or weak. But how did you feel at the end of this? I mean, I felt like I was able to get guys that I wanted in every round, so I was happy. I think in general, and just to kind of close it out because I know you got to talk to Josh and other people on about all these, but um. <laughs> I got a lot I, of things back to back to back to back. You do. But they're going to air on all different days, so you don't have to worry about it. I just, um, I think these drafting this year is so much fun because I feel like in every round I can get somebody I like because we have so many guys yeah. changing changing teams, it's getting awesome. extra value, getting, developing. I, I, it's it's just it's one it's the funnest year I've had drafting in, in a while, you know, quite right? a while. Yeah, like the I, honestly the most interesting fantasy draft season that I can remember in like 16 years and I'm sure that's because I'm forgetting some of them because that's a lot of years and you know undergrad college wiped out a few years of memory at the at the front end of that but this is this is crazy like they're 
the player movement this last offseason was insane. I haven't even gone through to look at the fantasy draft and said, that's a new spot, that's a new spot. But uh, it really does feel like there's stuff happening between uh, guys that could make a leap forward, old guys, you know how much I love my old guys, just tumbling down the chart. Uh, this is it's going to be a hell of a time. Kyle, thank you so much, man. I, no. um, can, can, I have a, can I have a closing thought, Dan? Uh, you can have as many closing thoughts hey, as you like. Fantasy basketball friends, uh, I, I implore you, stop drafting Brandon Clark in redraft leagues. He's not going to play enough. They got Jonas Valanciunas. They got Jaron Jackson. They got... Kyle Anderson and Jay Crowder, they could play backup power forward. They got Bruno Caboclo, who they were playing as the center in a lot of lineups during summer league. There's so much going on on that squad that we just don't know, and you definitely can't count on Brandon Clark playing enough this season to be worth drafting in redraft leagues right now. You know, as a rookie, how many times I've mentioned him on this podcast. (laughs) He's awesome. I love him, but it drives me insane to see i mean i love it because i'm like ah well okay i'll get whoever i want because you're wasting a pick on him well everybody wants to be the the one who gets the shiny toy right Uh, he's not a shiny toy though he's shiny name i guess not much no well not even advertisement for a shiny toy because you can't get the shiny toy this season Unless an injury happens. You got you to gotta pre-purchase the shiny toy. <laughs> yeah. Pre-order your video game or, or you know, your, your downloadable rental on Amazon now. What? What? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'd, rather do it, I'd rather do it a year from now. <laughs> Kyle McEwen, the best, man. At Roto Kyle NBA, R-O-T-O-K-Y-L-E-N-B-A. Follow him on Twitter right now. Obviously, you'll be tagged in everything that, that goes out with this show, uh, whatever day this thing gets cut into. I need to figure all of that out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Everybody go uh, rate and review uh, the Hoopball podcast on uh, your favorite uh, podcast provider. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. God, I'm tired of saying that. Thanks for doing it for me. It, uh, it should be said. And, uh, you know, it's the easiest way to help out a podcast. That's my buddy Kyle McCune at NBA on Twitter. Follow him immediately. Hope you enjoyed day two here out of 12 in a row breaking down the industry mock drafts. Thanks, uh, as always, to Neil Rochlani for coming on, talking sports betting with us a little bit. I am at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. Hoopball Leagues, by the way, officially are full. If you'd like to get on the wait list, you can let me know in case somebody drops out. And, of course, if there are 12 of you that all get on the wait list for the same type of league, we would open another one. But I'm not doing it until we get the full 12 ready to go. I don't have time to be worrying about trying to fill one or two slots at this point. We're going to get those draft times set up, slow drafts. We're all kick off in about two weeks. Again, coupon code today is Kyle. Use it for anything at hoop-ball.com. Tomorrow, we'll have a short uh, half show with Brandon Marcus, and then we'll be talking to, you'll just have to wait and find out, pro number two in our 12 days of pros. 12 days of Christmas here on Fantasy NBA Today. Again, I'm Dan Baspers for Neil and Kyle. Have a wonderful Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.